Awesome. If you would, this morning, I'm going to ask that you pray for me as I pray for you. Lord, we just come before you this morning. We just ask that um, whatever this past few days or week or month has been like, Lord, if we're coming in here just, um, man, maybe with some answered prayers, some, some unexpected blessings, some breakthroughs in our lives, and let us come in here this morning just ready to receive your word as, as a time of praise. Lord, if it took everything within us to even get here this morning, because we're weary, we're tired, we feel beat down or discouraged, Lord, I pray that for these next few moments that we'll find that oasis in the desert of our lives where we can drink from your well and feel refreshed. That, Lord, you'll have us look at our lives and examine our lives and the storm that we're currently in, and we're all in a storm, Lord. And you'll show us clearly and hopefully and fully how to weather the storm. Lord, I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Back in the mid-90s, there was a best-selling book and, and, a, and a hit movie called The Perfect Storm. And most of you have probably seen it or read the book. But, but what it did, it chronicled an event that happened in 1991 where there was a hurricane, a very small hurricane by the name of Hurricane Grace. You have a small Hurricane Grace, don't you, Jason? Yes, <laughs> maybe a little bit bigger than the Hurricane Grace that we experienced in 91, but it kind of went up the coast. I mean, it never really got coast, close to the Carolinas or Virginia or anything. It was, it was just small little, it was just out there. It was barely a hurricane. But then something happened as it got to the northeast. When it got to the northeast, it started to turn away a little bit, but it happened to be the end of October, 1st of November, and up in the northeast, it was starting to get cold. And a cold front had come in, and this cold front came across New England, went out into the Atlantic, hit this hurricane, which was starting to kind of fizzle out. And all of a sudden, it turned into a tropical cyclone. And then it turned into a nor'easter, and it kind of circled back, and it hit New England area. Caused incredible damage, loss of life, and that's, you know, the, the story of, of, of the movie, the story of the book follows this fishing boat called the Andrea Gale that was out fishing when this perfect storm happened. It's not anything that's really happened since. They're not sure if it's ever happened before, but everything environmentally, weather-wise, had to have happened at just the right moment. The right temperature of the cold front, the right, the right humidity and temperature of this cyclone, this uh, hurricane that was fizzling out, everything had to come together just right to create this storm. I'm telling you what, 30 years from now, they're going to be writing about the perfect storm of 2020, right? I mean, this is the perfect storm this year. I mean, you just think about all the things that's been going on, except our perfect storm of this year is not based on the environment of nature. It's based on the environment of our lives, of our personal, our emotional, our mental, our spiritual lives. The environment of everything that makes us who we are and who God created us to be. We all have that perfect storm that we're experiencing right now. So let's just look at the last six months even. You know, January came and 2020 was great, right? We're off to a great start. February, we started hearing some things that was happening in the world, but we just kind of blew it off, right? And then for me, like, we had a, a, our Jamaica mission trip, and, and we left that first Sunday in March. And while we were in Jamaica, Jamaica, as the country, got their first case of COVID. 
And it was even like those last couple of days before we came home, it was like so chaotic. If y'all remember, our team, we were like, are we even going to be able to make it back in the country? Like, are they even going to let us back in? Because things were, were changing so rapidly. We were there the week when the, the sports, all the sports leagues were canceled, all this kind of stuff. And we're sitting in Jamaica and everything seems fine. And I remember our team looked around each other. We're like, these people back home have lost their minds. Like, like there ain't nothing wrong. And then Beth started sending me pictures of Target and Maria sitting where the toilet paper usually goes. But it's all empty, you know, like all that. I'm like, holy cow, like it is real. Like this is happening. And then we come back and there's no church. We come back and there's no school. We come back and things have changed. And now we've had six months solid now of COVID. And it's easy to live in this environment of COVID and be bitter. I mean, it really is. Bitter at the situations that COVID has caused. Bitter um, because our kids can't go to school. Bitter because our kids can't play sports. Bitter because our job situation have changed. And maybe we've, we've, we've had to furlough or we've had reduced hours or we've lost our job completely. Bitter because the people we love, uh, exactly what Julie was talking about earlier, maybe they're in a, in a long-term care facility. And we can't even get in there to see loved ones, grandmothers, grandfathers, parents, mothers, whoever it may be. Like there's things that have been an inconvenience that can easily make us bitter. But man, what COVID has really done though, has it not become one of the most divisive things in the history of this country? I mean, we're not just bitter at situations. We're not just bitter at, at companies and, and, and governments and whatever. We're bitter with one another. Like it has caused us to be bitter with the ones that, Man, six months ago were some of the most closest people in our lives and the people that we love. And I am convinced there, there have been relationships that have been permanently wrecked because of COVID. Because some people wear masks, some don't. Some social distance, some don't. Some travel, some don't. And both sides see, their, see in their minds how they are exactly right. And the thing is, there's no real answer, Right? I mean, we're just, we're living in theory and in, in everything in our lives. And so it's easy for us to kind of grab onto one thing and say, this is the way life should be. And in your heart of hearts, you, you absolutely believe it no matter what side you're on. So we have this storm of COVID, not even just wrecking our day-to-day -day lives and where we work and where we go to school. It's wrecking our personal lives, the relationships with the people that should be the closest to us. It's wrecked it. So we have, we have, we have COVID going on. And, and then maybe it was just, the heightened um, stress and everyone being on edge. But man, then you have shootings, you have protests that turn into riots, and it's all you see when you flip on the news. Cities on fire, people getting shot, people just going, losing their minds. And so you have this, this storm of COVID that's come in that's wrecking our lives um, professionally and, 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 and personally. And now you have all of this going on with, with justice and what should be done and what shouldn't be done. And things should be done more. Maybe things should be done less. There's all of this also that's building in to how we view life and the lens that we're looking through this year. And you know what? And just for the icing on top, let's, let's make an election year, Right? And, and not just any election year, but maybe, again, the most divisive election year in, in human history. I mean, we've taken what, what, an, what our founding fathers wanted to be, something that is hopeful and free, that we can go and, and we can vote for people that we believe are good people and can change our country or continue our country in a certain direction or, or hold us together. 
and we've basically turned it into Duke Carolina, right? I mean, that's it. it. It's like we have our team, and that's the team that we root for, and I don't care what your team does. I don't care how great. You know what? I'm a Duke fan. I'll never re- see Michael Jordan as the greatest ever because he's wearing a different uniform than me, right? That's what we've done with politics. That's what we've done with this election year is we have our team, and I don't care how great your candidates are. I will never pull for your candidates because they don't wear my colors. And so now we're divisive again. And so, man, what the enemy has been doing is driving this wedge for six months straight. Through COVID, through protest, through elections, it has just separated us. It is the perfect storm. To say that every one of us in here are weary and tired is an understatement. We all are. Because not only do we have COVID and the election and social protests and all going on, we still have our lives, right? We still have our day-to-day lives. We still have jobs that we have to go to. We still have bills that we have to pay. We still have cars that break down. We have air conditioning units that go out on the hottest day of the year. And we have all of these things. So it's not like our life just stops because these three major events have, have formed this perfect storm. No, it's everything. It's everything. So how do we get through this? I'm going to tell you this. We get through it by being the people of God. We get through it by being the church that God has called us to be. When Tim and I were really, uh, you know, we joked around a couple of weeks ago as we were looking at this next sermon series and we both, we talk a lot and we were talking about all of these things, whether it's COVID or protest or, or the election or things that we see people saying to one another that we can't believe they're saying on Facebook or social media or whatever, or just things we're experiencing in our day-to-day lives. You know, we're sitting there and we just start, ah, man, this drives me crazy. You know, we're bringing up all this stuff and I said, you know what, we should just name this next sermon series Mike and Tim Soapbox. Right? I mean, that should be it. We should just get up here and be like, you know, um, I'm going to pull out another Seinfeld reference. You know, like Festivus, you know, the airing of grievances. You know, I just want to be like, I got a lot of problems with you people. You know, like that's what, and, and just kind of get that off my chest. But it's like, man, that's what the enemy wants, right? He wants us just to come at all of these things with anger instead of coming to the throne and the altar of God and saying, God, how are you going to fix this? How are you going to fix me? so that I can help fix this. I had a counselor tell me years ago, um, he says, anytime we go through something traumatic, and, and, and it may be the loss of a job, it may be the loss of a loved one, the loss of a relationship, it may be some type of abuse or trauma, you know, a lie that you've told, a lie, somebody has lied about you, or you've been told mis- broken trust, all of these things. He said, whenever something happens to you like that, every single one of us has two choices. It can make us bitter or it can make us better. And that's it. And he said, Mike, what are you going to do? Are you going to allow these things that have happened in your life, are you going to allow them to to make you bitter because you have every right to be bitter? Or are you going to use the things that have happened in your life to make you better so that you can be who God needs you to be in the environments that God needs you to be? And that's the way that we need to view this perfect storm. Are we going to allow this year these circumstances, the things that we keep running up against in our lives, are we going to make them better and make ourselves better? Or are we just going to be bitter? Hebrews 
chapter 12, verse 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become deviled. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you along with malice. Man, we understand that this bitterness is a root of evil. We understand that this bitterness is not something from God. So when the events of life happen to us, it is not God's will that we become bitter. It is not God's will that we allow this bitterness to hang around in our soul long enough that it takes root. We have to make a decision, and we have to make a conscious decision basically daily. Am I going to allow the things that happen to me today to make me bitter or to make me better? Am I going to allow this to devastate my marriage, to, to, to you know, make me a, a terrible parent or, or a bitter employee? Am I going to be angry at the government? Am I going to blast people on social media? Am I going to do all of these things that do not reflect the image of Christ? Or am I going to see through this and realize that God is bigger than these storms? God is bigger than the things that I'm struggling with in my life. And that God can make it better. And I don't have to settle for bitter. We have that choice. So what I did is I just spent some time over the last couple of weeks looking at my own life. Looking at areas, I would just write down an area of my life and think about circumstances that have changed or things that are different in the last six months. And ask myself, have I become bitter or am I becoming better because of it? I'm just going to share, this is just me, and, and your list may be different. I jotted down a few things. You might be able to add a few more to yours, or these may speak to your heart too. But, but these are just some areas of my life that I believe that I can choose to be better instead of bitter. First thing I thought of was just personally, right? Just personally, how has my life changed over these last six months? Well, when COVID happened in March, I don't know about you guys, but Beth and I, we, we, we live active lives. We got three active kids. She works full-time. I work full-time. We were going 100 miles an hour. And then all of a sudden, it's like we hit that wall, and we couldn't do it anymore. We weren't allowed to do it anymore. And we could have got frustrated, and we could have got angry, and, and, and we did get bitter and get frustrated at times. But I sat over this past week or two just thinking about it. And honestly, for me, what I've learned personally over these last six months is less really is more. Less really is more. Less time away from my family is better. Less full days, you know, getting up at the crack of dawn and going to bed, you know, at midnight and everything crammed in between. You know, less stress on how am I going to fit everything into my life. This um, pandemic and the stay-at-home orders, and the restrictions, and the phases, that stuff is incredibly frustrating because we're not able to get out and always do the things that we've always had the freedom to do, and that gets very frustrating. But what if we stopped and said, man, this might exactly been the pruning that I needed, that my life was too crazy, my life was too full, and I've just been able to sit and be with my family and be at home and all of these things. I mean, I've, you know, this is, I think, a lot different. I won't say every dad is like this and every mom is like this, but I would say the majority, you know, dads, 
enjoy that going to work, right? Because we want to get away from our kids. Moms <laughs> want to stay at home as long as they can because they want to be with their kids. This is it. Beth and I talk about it a lot. Like, she's able to work from home now. She's able to be that stay-at-home mom with the kids that she didn't get to before because the kids are also at home. Now, it's getting to the point where she's ready for them to go back to school. But, <laughs> but for the first little part, for the first few months, it was nice for our whole family to be together, to be able to work from home, to not have to run up and down the roads and, and burn the roads up and go to different places. It was good for me just to be there, for all of us to be there at the house together and to spend that time. Personally, less is more, and that is better over bitter. Instead of getting frustrated and angry at the things, the freedoms that have been paused and put on hold, man, let's just celebrate the fact that we get time with our family. We get time at home. We have certain freedoms now that we didn't have six months ago. And that sounds crazy because it felt like we had a lot of freedom six months ago and none now. We have the freedom just to be. We have the freedom not to feel the guilt of having to go and go and go. And that's awesome. Second thing I jotted down was spiritually, right? Um, I, I, by nature, I, um, I love to create, right? I just love, like for me, when things get um, into maintenance mode, that's when I get, I kind of, my mind starts to drift. Like, I want something to be able to kind of, like, create and be there and be something new. And we've been doing RE3 now. It'll be seven years in November. And, man, at the first of the year, uh, I ain't gonna lie, I was a little bored, right? I'm just like, man, because everything's going well. Like, everything, like, like, everything's clicking on all cylinders. We got this amazing group of people. It's like things are happening, and I'm just kind of like, all right, like, what's the next mountain to climb? Like, what are we gonna do? And then COVID hit, right? And for me, at first, it was fun. Because, you know, we're not, a, we're not a technology church. You know, we don't live stream. We don't have 14 cameras. We don't do all of this stuff, which the churches that do that, they do it well and more power to them. We're not. Like, like we're the church that you really just need to come to to realize that, oh, okay, it, it doesn't suck as bad as it looks like it does. Like, it, it, it's just, it, it, like there's something here that's just, that's just organic and good right? And, but for me, it was like creative. It was like, oh man, we finally, we can do some videos. So we bought a camera and, you know, Tim and I and Hank and Daniel, we're just like putting our heads together on how we're going to video things and do stuff. And for the first couple months, it was fun. It was different. It, it, it wasn't church as normal. And it was fun for me because it was something creative. And it kind of jump-started those creative juices. But then I just started to miss church. I just started to miss just being around one another. And so we opened up, we would video, you know, we record on Wednesday nights, and that would give us a couple of days to kind of edit and put it together and put it on Sunday mornings. We just started opening our Wednesday nights up, you know, and just said, hey, if y'all want to come while we record, come on. And people came, and they just sat in here, and, and just we laughed and shared and prayed, and, and what got put on YouTube and Facebook was just a small part of what happened on those Wednesday nights. And then when we finally decided to start meeting again, the 1st of June, you know, I was nervous. I was like, what's going to happen? How are people going to react? And as I stood in the sanctuary and watched people come in the doors, I saw people come in with their tanks empty. Their spiritual tanks were empty. And they walked in, and it's like the minute they made eye-to-eye contact with somebody, and they smiled, and they laughed, it was like that, you could see that gas meter go up, right? It was like they were full again. 
And I realized in that very moment, that very first Sunday, we started meeting back again, that first Sunday in June. People can get better music, they can get better preaching online anywhere, at any church, but you cannot replace what happens when you're shoulder to shoulder. And I know that, and I'm not saying if you're not here, there's something wrong, you know, that, that, that you're doing something wrong. Absolutely not. Every person is different. I understand that COVID is a scary thing for a lot of people. And I understand that certain people have certain situations where they work or, or loved ones that they live with that might be more susceptible to respiratory and things. And, and by all means, you need to protect yourself and protect your family. That's not who I'm talking to. I'm talking for me. I need you guys. And I think the ones that are here right now look around and say, yeah, I needed this too. Just to be able to come and sit and sing together and, and worship together. I mean, we have half the crowd we were having before. But I don't know about you, but this seems like everyone's singing louder and worshiping louder. Don't you think? It's like this wave of praise and worship right now. Because we're just here. We're so hungry. We just need each other. Spiritually, that is what the church should be. A place that we come and we get filled up. Not because of some great sermon or, or worship music, but we can just stand shoulder to shoulder and worship God together. That is what makes us better, not bitter. As a church, how much better are we going to be when everyone can come back? Can you imagine that? Man. I thought about socially, right? Um, I mean, God, in the book of Genesis, when he created Adam and he finished everything he was going to do, what did God do? He looked around and he saw Adam by himself and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. So he made Adam this soulmate, this partner in life. He did not design us to be alone. He did not design us to sit, you know, hunkered down in our basement, worried about the sky that's, that might fall or might not fall. He did not create us to do that. He created us to be together. He created all of us with a sense of community that we need to be together. That we need to be together socially. That we need to, we are not made to be alone. We need to have human contact. But I'm going to say this socially. It's, it's, it's also about who you are connected with. We all have had those negative people in our lives. The people who were scared of everything even before COVID happened. The people who were negative about everything even before the protest happened. The people who thought the world was gloom and doom even before the election happened. You know, even before all of this happened, you could turn the page on every calendar for the last 10 years. You know the people that whenever you, you, you talk to them, they were like emotional vampires, right? They just sucked the life out of you. So I'm not saying that like you just need to find somebody and buddy up, buddy, buddy up with them and hang out with them. Not at all. You need to find someone that will lift you up. You need to find someone that you know when you walk away from there, you feel better about yourself because you know the sense of God is on them and in them and they breathe life into you. Socially, we were not made to be alone, but we also weren't made to be around people that will bring us down. That we were made to be around people that are God-lifting, that are God-giving, that are life-giving and can lift us up. I think one thing that COVID has done is it separated um, all of us socially. I would encourage you, if you had not already done this, it's kind of like hitting the reset on all your friendships, on all your acquaintances, on all your relationships, and say, all right, 
you know what, I feel a lot better, and I haven't had to talk to this person in six months. <laughs> you know, maybe there's something to that. Or when you want to talk to someone, when you're craving a conversation, where does your heart drift? Where does your mind drift? Who's the first person or the second person that pops up in your mind? Then you're like, man, I just want to spend some time with them. I miss being with them. Then maybe that's the people you need to spend more time with. Socially, during this time, these last six months, it truly should give us a chance to make our relationships better not ones that we walk away feeling bitter about. I thought about emotionally, right? We all need an outlet. We can't let, as scriptures were calling it, this bitterness, this anger, this frustration, you know, all of these things, we can't let all of that sit on our hearts. We need someone to talk to, socially, what we just talked about, but we also need an outlet. We need, some of you need hobbies, right? And, and by hobbies, social media is not a hobby, all right? And I'm going to get to that in a minute, so hold on. But, <laughs> but we need a hobby. We need things to do. Go out and, and go for a hike, go for a walk, spend some time with your family, go play disc golf, you know, do something. But man, do something where you get out, where you're not just pent up all day emotionally like this pressure cooker ready to bust. Man, with all this going on, our soul is weary. Our spiritual heart should be heavy. If we're truly part of the kingdom of God, if we're truly in line with the Holy Spirit, then when we turn on the news, it should break our hearts. When we look on social media, it should break our hearts. And we should walk around with this heaviness of emotions of like, man, this is not what the world should be. This is not the way God designed it. So what are we going to do about it? Because if we sit around with no outlet, and we just keep getting all this depressing emotional stuff poured into us, we become that two-liter bottle of soda that's been shaken up that's just ready to pop at any minute. We need to let it go. We need to find a way to let our emotions out. Whether that's working out in your garage, working out in the yard, playing a sport, going for a walk, finding someone that you can just talk to, Emotionally, we were not designed to hold in the heaviness of this world. We were designed as a barometer to check the atmosphere of this world, the visible, and see if it lines up with the invisible and the kingdom of God. And if it doesn't, we don't allow our emotions and our heart and our souls to linger there. We go to God and say, God, what can I do to help make this better? And we can't make the situations better if emotionally we are bitter. Mentally. I mean, how many of you are just tired mentally, right? There's certain things that you just find exhausting. Whether it's going to work or even watching television or, or just whatever. We're just tired people. But, but that's the thing. Our minds, the scriptures talk about it all the time, about this renewing of our minds. And here's my soapbox for the day. You don't renew your minds by jumping on Facebook. You don't renew your minds by getting in an argument on social media. That will always make you bitter. In sports, one of the, uh, I guess, they use this analogy a lot, and they talk about it a lot. As an athlete is, is coming to kind of the, the end of their career, right? They're in the last stage, you know. Oh, this guy looks like he could play forever. And then all of a sudden, the next year, he's getting hurt, and he can't do it. And, and as sportscasters, they always use this line. They say, Father Time is undefeated, 
right? Like we're all going to get old and we're all going to be able to stop doing the things that we used to be really, really good at. And, and you see this played out physically in, in, in athletes. And I'm telling you, social media is undefeated. It is a minefield. And no matter where you think you're walking, no matter where you think you're going, you will inevitably step on a mind that you had no idea it was even there. Why did somebody plant it here? This doesn't even make sense. Why is everything blowing up around me right now? And then mentally, we get off social media and it takes our mind away from Christ. And I'm telling you, anything in this world that takes your mind away from God and the things of God is of the enemy. Everything. So mentally, we are exhausted because mentally we're, we're stressed out about the election. We're stressed out about cities that are in riots and things that are going on. We're stressed out about loved ones that, that may be law enforcement or, and may be on the front lines and we worry about them. You know, we're stressed out about all of these things, COVID and who may get sick or who may not get sick and should I shake their hand, should I not shake their hand, should I have a mask, should I not? All of these things mentally are a distraction from the enemy to keep your mind from resting on Christ, to keep your mind from being renewed daily for God. I thought about finances, right? I mean, I think most, maybe not all, but most people have been affected in some way. You know, for us as a church, one of the things we worry about financially is if if we don't have church, if we're not meeting, if if half the people are coming, how are we going to keep the doors open? As a pastor, I worry about that financially. As a family, Beth was furloughed for like three weeks. You know, that's three weeks of, you know, I don't get paid anything here. Early. You know, so that's like three weeks of, of, of really paying the bills that we didn't have this summer. And so there's things like that. There's people who financially have lost jobs or financially that, that have commitments that, that they need to make these payments on that maybe they can't do it because they're worried about where is this next money going to come from. So for me and Beth, I know personally, it's allowed us this summer and this last six months, man, to really prioritize where our dollar goes. The things that we were spending it on, was it really that important? I love what Dave Ramsey says. He says, live like no one else so you can live like no one else. You know? There may be something financially in, in our life and time during this season that we've been able to realize, you know what? I didn't spend as much money on this as I normally would, and I really don't miss it. And I didn't have to go spend this money on that, or I didn't have to buy this new thing. And, you know, it's just there's something about the environment right now financially that I think makes us all tighten up our purse strings a little bit tighter. And that's not a bad thing. That what if we came out of this with a greater sense of fiscal, of fiscal just um, responsibility? on where we spend our money as a family unit, where we spend our money as a church, how we do, you know, all those types of things. Like something like this can actually be better. That we can be healthier as a church financially, that other churches can be healthier, that families can be healthier financially. Because maybe it's made you stop spending and kind of slow down a little bit or realize, man, you know what? This has taught me anything. It's taught me I need to have a little bit more money in the bank, you know, for all of these types of things. And then I thought about just simply physically, right? Just physically. I believe God wants us to take care of ourselves. I believe we should eat better than we do. I believe we should work out and exercise better than we do. But at the end of the day, we're all mortal. Every single one of us. There was um, 
this week, one of the, you know, I'll, I'll go back to athletes. You know, no, nobody can say anything in the news anymore in an interview without just totally getting blasted. And um, there's a, the starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings is a guy named Kirk Cousins. And Kirk is a devout Christian, wears his Christianity on his jersey. I mean, he's just one of those guys. And he was asked this past week, just in a regular interview, you know, how are you dealing with COVID? What do you think about it? And his response was, if I die, I die. And they were like, what? You know, that's so cold. And he was like, I know where I'm going, right? He's like, I'm going to be responsible. I'm not going to put other people at risk. But I'm not going to go out and live my life, you know, thinking that, that somehow that, that I can live forever if I can just beat this COVID. No. Kurt said, look, if I die, I die. That's just what happens. Because we're all going to die. Newsflash, right? We just are. We just are. We're not... We're not immortal. We're, we, we, our flesh, our bones, our organs, everything one day will stop. So physically, no matter how well we take care of ourselves, no matter how much Santa hand sanitizer we put on, no matter you know, how long we stay in our houses or, or go out or avoid people or whatever, it's all going to come to an end one day. And if you're a believer, and if you're a Christian, and if you know that this isn't your home, that you're just like renting space here like earth is your Airbnb for a little while until you can really go to eternity with heaven, with Jesus? Like, then why, why be afraid of that? Why be afraid of that? Be considerate. Be guarded. But man, do not let the fear of death, do not let the fear of just getting sick paralyze you to where you're not spending time with the people you love. Because anything can happen during this time. And I think some of the saddest stories I've heard is families that were hanging out six months ago and then COVID hit. So they stopped hanging out. And they're like, well, we can't go see so-and-so because of all of this. And then something happened, an emergency. It wasn't even something that was even on the radar, a car accident, a heart attack, whatever it may be. And they never got to say bye. And why? Because they were worried. They were scared physically. What's going to happen to my life? What's going to happen to those around me? We're all going to go. We are. Physically, no matter how much we take care of ourselves, this isn't our final resting spot. It just isn't. And I know that seems cold, but again, this is just from the heart of Mike Giannopoulos. You can mark all these off your list and come up with your own list. But for me, I sat down as I personally, spiritually, socially, professionally, emotionally, mentally, financially, physically, I don't want to be bitter. Like, I don't want to be bitter about any of these things. I want to make my life better because of this. Because every single one of us has a choice. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That is what 2020 has been. The enemy has caused this perfect storm to kill, steal, and destroy, to divide us, to divide our country, to divide this world, to divide the church. That's the enemy's game plan. It's not secret. It's here. It's in his word. It tells us exactly what his motives are, what he wants to do. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's it. And if that's where that verse stopped then yeah, we need to go find a safe house and live in it. But that's not where that verse stops. 
It says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And then this is Jesus talking. I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. You cannot have a full life if your life is rooted in bitterness. It just can't happen. You cannot have a full life if you're not living personally, if you're not living spiritually, if you're not living socially, professionally, emotionally, mentally, financially, or physically. You cannot have this full life that Jesus wants us to have. If we're living a life of fear, if we're living a life of bitterness, of anger, resentment, frustration. One of my favorite quotes of all time says, the boat is safest when it's in the harbor, but that is not what the boat was designed for. And that describes the church, and that should describe us as believers. There are certain places that on earth seem safer, but that is not what we were designed for. We were designed to live because we have a Savior that says, I have come. This is what I came for. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy your hopes, your dreams, your marriages, your relationships with your kids, your finances, your, everything. Like The enemy says, I want to destroy all of that. Jesus says, but I have come so that all of those things may have life. And not just a little bit, but life to the fullest. Bitter or better. To choose bitterness goes against the nature and the character of God. To choose better allows the Holy Spirit to work through our lives through this storm. That's how we begin weathering this storm. We acknowledge the storm. We acknowledge things are going to get rocky. We'll put on our life vest. We'll do what we need to do. But I believe God's going to get me through this storm because I was meant to live. And that is what he has promised me, that I will be able to live life to the fullest on the other side of the storm. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we are in a storm and... For most of us, probably the biggest storm we've ever faced in our lives. From the political climate, to the social climate, to the health climate. Everything is hit, Lord. And whether it's COVID or protest or elections, all those things do is distract us from the life that you've called us to live that the church really should be a world changer, that we should be walking out boldly every day of our lives, not denying the storm, but acknowledging the storm, not denying the effects of the storm, but making sure that we have our anchor, that we have our life preserver, and denying the fact that we're going to allow this storm to kill, steal, and destroy us but instead to walk in faith, believing that you came to give us life and to give us life to the full.
Lord, this morning, no matter where we're at, no matter what storm of life we're facing, no matter how scary those storm clouds may look, God, you're on the other side. You're right there with us. You're with us every single step of the way. As we walk through this storm, you guide us, you lead us, help us to trust you. Help us to truly praise you in this storm, Lord. That our hearts not grow bitter, that our lives and the things we say and portray to this world, that it's not a look of bitterness. But Lord, we live a life that is better. And it's better because of you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.